What's up everyone and welcome to episode 187 of the Justin Inside podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, I am your host, my name is Tim Birkbeck and it's been a busy old week as anyone that follows us on social media has seen. We've been very active the last week in getting various bits and pieces out. Um, so I'm just going to give a couple of shout outs. Firstly, for the reaction to last week's episode in preparation for the charity sampler, a lot of people seem to engage with that. A lot of people have found out about Heads Above the Waves, which is kind of what the key point of that episode was, which is really, really cool. Even like some friends from the States have, have sort of reached out and said that it's a cool cause, which love to hear. Um, secondly, obviously, the charity sampler is now out. So if anyone hasn't heard it yet, head over to justininsightpod.bandcamp.com. It's up there for a pound, but also if you want to donate anything else, then it would be really, really appreciated. The The reaction to it has been incredible so far. Um, I'm hoping to send off the first lot of money later this week. I'm waiting to get to a round figure. Um, you'll see why if we hit that. So... Yeah, everyone, the support is really, really appreciated. Remember, you can get prints for the artwork as well, which all the money, again, will be going towards uh, Heads Above the Waves. So that can be bought over at justaninsight.bigcartel.com. All these links will be in the episode description. Um, but yeah, like, honestly, the reaction to it has been amazing. Like, I'd hoped it would, and it's been way beyond expectations so thank you everyone who has checked it out whether you've just listened to it or donated really really appreciate it um the other thing that i've been working on this week which came out on sunday we're giving patreon another push i did it before to no success just not having a slight or whatever it was partly of my own back because i didn't really know what i was doing but trying to make a bit more of a focused effort on it um there's a new show over there called Give It A Spin. The concept is kind of like a radio style show. I'm going to be picking tracks that I discover through Bandcamp uh, between 10 and 20 each month um, and just playing for them for you and basically trying to get new music in people's ears. The reason this is on Patreon is because obviously you have to pay for the tracks on um, Bandcamp and just kind of recuperate some of that money so I'm not completely out of pocket, which isn't, which isn't an issue, but... Yeah, need to try and recoup some funds so I'm not completely skinned. Um, so yeah, if you want to check out that, that's over at patreon.com forward slash Justin Inside Pod. Um, oh, sorry, Justin Inside Podcast. Sorry, I was just double checking the, the address because I can't remember my own Patreon page. Um, but yeah, so a busy, busy week for us. And thank you for everyone that's checked out everything that we've put up in the past week. Again, it's really, really appreciated. Um, before we get into this week's guest, just going to, as always, give a shout out to what I've been listening to this week. Um, I mean, the God's Hate record is just not leaving rotation at the moment. But in terms of newer stuff, the new uh, Be All End All record, which came out on Triple B Records, is a fucking banger. So go check that out. Um, new Pink Shift EP is really cool, kind of like indie punk sort of stuff. So would recommend that if you're if that floats your boat on a completely different sort of uh, more melodic vibe, I guess. Um, I believe this can, yeah out on through Run for Cover the new Phil Medic EP. It's kind of like the whole sort of SoundCloud rap 
stuff that Wicker Phase does, but better, in my opinion. Uh, the EP's called Plunge Deep Golden Knife. It's, yeah, it's really cool. It's really nice and chill. So go check out Field Medic. Um, I'm going to stop babbling and I'm going to get on to this week's guest. So this week we are joined by the guitarist and vocalist of Doom Shoegaze band Sugar Horse Ash Tub. Um, this was a really cool chat because like Ash is someone that I don't really personally know, but he's in circles that I do within like the Bristol scene. Um, so it was nice to kind of have a chat with him and actually kind of get to know him a bit better. I think we we must have crossed paths before because he is one of the managers at the Mother's Ruin pub uh, in Bristol. So we, we get talking about that and that's a place that I've frequented many a time when I visited Bristol. Um, obviously, we talk about Sugar Horse, their kind of rise and how the pandemic has kind of halted that a little bit, but they've managed to sort of take this opportunity to sort of redirect where their energies was going into sort of different avenues and kind of keep the momentum that they had off the back of their EP that came out last year going into 2021. Um, and yeah, so much more as always. So please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Ash and I'll see you on the other side. So uh, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is guitarist and vocalist of Doom Infused Shoegaze band Sugar Horse Ash Tub. Ash, thank you very much for taking some time to have a little chat with me. Um, I hate to start on like a bit of a negative, but obviously like Sugar Horse were a band that well, are a band that obviously have a lot had a lot of momentum going into sort of twenty twenty, and then obviously shit hit the fan. So was it kind of weird for you to be in that kind of like limbo state um a bit i mean it kind of sucked like we had like a uh, it was it's pretty much uh i'm pretty sure i can say this it was pretty much a sellout tour um that we had with black, yeah, with yeah. black peaks um i think uh, i think when it got cancelled or whatever um i think there was only like two venues left that had any tickets and that i was we mm. were kind of shitting ourselves about that because i think the london show was like <laughs> like grand and a half people like I've never yeah. played in front of that many people before. So, yeah, we were kind of, we were excited about that. So that, that was obviously super shit. Um, but at the same time, like, it's it's meant we can't play shows, but it's also meant that we've had time to put out a lot more music than we would have otherwise. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, like... Uh, we've got like an album done in the process of kind of sorting out release and stuff at the moment. So that's cool. Um, it's given us time to kind of like, like finish writing and then record that. And then uh, we mm. also, we've also put out two like mad singles as well as mm. kind of like, I don't know. We, we like, um, <clears throat> like uh do you know like factory records from like the 80s yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they <clears throat> they always put out loads of like weird like standalone singles that like weren't on any like records or anything and um i was kind of i was we always kind of like that kind of um set mm. it's almost like um it's almost like a kind of like dance music or like hip-hop kind of mindset where they yeah yeah it's kind of like a mixtape yeah 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 
like we just like to put out like yeah. a load of, means you can with the like standalone singles and stuff you can kind of fuck around a little bit more as well like you don't have to you know <laughs> what i mean it doesn't have to like necessarily be your sound or whatever you can you can kind of make mm. it a bit mad and i think the two we've released so far are pretty pretty out there compared to like the ep so, yeah um yeah it's been fun but like in terms in terms of that, like as you say, it's kind of giving you more time to sort of focus on, on sort of like the writing and sort of like recording side of things. Was that like a, I don't want to say like a conscious effort, but like as soon as you realised, like okay, this tour's not happening anytime soon, was there a conscious shift into writing, or were you just was it just kind of like accelerated a little bit? Um, I think like. At the start, everything was so up in the air that I didn't really think about anything for a good couple of weeks. And I was kind of just enjoying like being at home. <laughs> um, mm. But eventually I was like, OK, this is going to last for a while. This might be the only chance I get and decided to write something like every day. Um, oh, OK, regardless cool. of like how shit it was or like how how weird <laughs> or how weird it was or whatever or how I didn't like fit with us or um and then that ended we ended up having like so the the album that's recorded and stuff now that that was kind of half done we had like we had like five song ideas like demos and kind of ready to go for that mm. um one of them didn't make the cut but um um but then I ended up having like 30 more songs um to kind of choose okay. from to for the rest of it and then a couple a couple of those songs ended up as the two singles we just released as well so it was kind of cool i oh, cool. like yeah. i had a lot of time to like especially like we released this really fucking long song um a few months ago called the great shame and the whole the kind of mm. the i had a kind of idea for the two singles where uh we get <laughs> like people uh, like my mates kind of take the piss out of us quite a lot because uh, <laughs> they say we just open uh, we just hit open a just for an entire song <laughs> and I, I and I was like okay that's 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 fine uh, I'll write two songs that are literally just open a then <laughs> <laughs> so both of them are kind of like an experiment in seeing and I, I needed loads of time to like think about how to make that interesting you know what I mean I don't think yeah, like, I don't yeah. think I could have done that if I'd like just had like, I don't know, two hours in an afternoon to kind of try and get something down. I needed like to kind of stretch it over like a few days to try and um, get those mm. songs down properly. So, yeah, it's been cool. Like I'm I my my favorite thing personally about being in a band is kind of like that moment where you where you get something like down and kind of demoed. Then. Mm you think is great yeah yeah that's that's my favorite that's cool. thing about being in a band so I, it's it's annoying yeah. that tours are like not going on right now but there's also positives <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely well we'll get the things flowing as i always do and kind of take you back to your origins and your roots so how i kind of like to open things up is to ask like what kind of got you into alternative music what was your first exposure to it um I think, look, when I was a kid, I just didn't pay any attention to like any music. It was like like background noise for ages, and I kind I kind of mm. had that mindset even when I started like playing guitar and stuff, where 
I could I couldn't hear when things were like out of tune or anything. It's really weird to think about now. I couldn't hear like tuning, and I couldn't I couldn't tell the difference yeah, between yeah, yeah. any instruments in a song either. It just sounded like all like one noise to me. You know what I mean? Like I could hear the vocals, but then the rest of the band would just be like one thing. So there's like it. My mind yeah. was weird like that. It just kind of blanked everything. But I remember, I remember listening to the. I had the demo of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two. My friend had the demo of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater yeah. 2 just before the actual game came out. And I, I remember hearing a couple songs on there, but never like investigated it or anything. And then um, me and my like old schoolmate Chris from back home were really into like super lame, like early 2000s, like rap and hip hop and shit. Like real embarrassing, <laughs> like 50 Cent and Eminem and stuff. Like two, right, two yeah, like yeah. West Country white kids, like just listen to that. Like, <laughs> We're like 11 or something like that. It's so embarrassing. But um, I remember specifically getting, we we had heard this D12 song, right? We'd heard this D12 song called Fight Music um, on like... Yeah, yeah. I know yeah, it was like on some MTV channel or something. We were like, that song is fucking awesome. I, I want it. I want to own it. And we couldn't find like it on CD or anything. I think it's like on a weird album or something. Um, but I saw in Smith's, I saw this Kerrang issue and it had like a comp on the front of it. And on that comp was D12's fight music. Oh, um, but it also had, um, so I, I used to watch like tons of Cartoon Network anime and shit when I was, when I was a little kid. Mm. And there was this one advert for like a new Dragon Ball Z season that they were airing, I think. And it had like, this fight, this little clipped fight sequence with Freezer in it for all you Dragon Ball Z fans out there. Mm. Um, uh, and it had the, it had that middle section of uh, All My Life by the Food Fighters when he does like, when he does the screaming yeah. bit. And I was like, fuck, yeah. what the fuck is that? <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> I was like, that's so awesome. And that song was on that comp as well. And I was like, like put it on. I was like, oh, this is this song. This is, Cool. yeah 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 and then i think me and my pal chris uh, would listen to that like all the time and there was there was a slipknot song on there i think it might have been wait and bleed maybe and mm. there was also a system song on there it's probably toxicity or something like that yeah, uh, yeah so i think like a couple weeks later we both like went into like Taunton which is like the big town that was next to ours and went into like the HMV or something there and bought he bought Toxicity and I bought uh Iowa <laughs> which nice. is like an interesting like intro to kind of like that was that was my first like a tall rocky album that I bought was <laughs> so yeah, not yeah. Iowa it's quite a bold move to go straight in. Oh, mate, it was terrifying. <laughs> I remember getting home and putting it on, like, because the only hi-fi in the house was, like, the one downstairs. So, like, my mum's in the kitchen, like, literally, like, five feet away, and I put on <laughs> put on the start of Iowa, and that, that <laughs> intro track is just him shouting death over and over again, isn't it? And she was like, yeah. I don't want you listening to this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And obviously that made me want it even more, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then going from from there like 
what was kind of the path into sort of, I guess, like more of the stuff that you were like seeking out kind of thing? <coughs> um, after that, I say I went lighter gradually. I think mm. I got that, I got that album and then I started listening and then I started watching like Kerrang! and Scuzz when it was on. Um, yeah. And then I decided I once wanted to play guitar, even though I'd heard like barely any fucking rock music at all. Um, and I, I got guitar lessons. There used to be this shop on, I'm from a town called Wellington in Somerset. There used yeah. to be this shop on the high street. Um, uh, what was it called? It was called like Ted Turner's, I think, music shop. And his son, I think it was his son, uh, did guitar lessons this like recommended okay. to him and I turned up his house for the first time and he'd lived like at the back of his parents house in this like insulated soundproof room it was mad and nice. and he was like a massive fucking metalhead so, I, t- <laughs> so nice. I turned up and he just had like this massive like full stack and like a flying V and shit and I turned up and was like I want to uh, learn Left Behind by Slipknot as the first song please and he was like <laughs> you're not gonna be able to do that and then he just he showed me Metallica and then I was like obsessed with Metallica for years for mm. like absolutely years um I, that was and then I just we just like just meeting people like at school or whatever and then I start I started like a I wasn't singing at this point but I started playing guitar in like this real bad pop punk bands for quite a few years during right. school and into college um and it's we were good compared to everyone else in the local scene but that <laughs> yeah. is not that is not a high benchmark at all um <laughs> yeah. um yeah so i did that for a few years and then i listened to like it's weird because the internet was kind of we felt so insular in that community and there wasn't really, mm. there wasn't really that much. It was all kind of like mainstream stuff that we we'd hear. So I, I was just really into like just real mainstream metal and like mainstream like punk and stuff. Anything you'd find on like Kerrang or yeah. Scars or whatever, um, for years. And then, I think I, I I remember I I I, I like talking to people about this because it was such a fucking revelation when it happened. It was like one of those. In okay. those internet revelatory moments like do you remember yeah. do you remember the first time you saw youtube oh now you've got me now i like i'm i'm trying to think like what the video was it was probably like i don't know like some animal video or something but yeah oh. like I can't remember exactly the first thing I we saw. I remember being sent. So I was like massive, massive. I cannot under, overstate how much of a Metallica fan I was. So I was, I was yeah. sent. I was like on like a Metallica forum or whatever, like being well nerdy. And um, this guy posted. It was like, it was like that massive gap between Saint Anger and Death Magnetic or whatever. Uh, yeah. And this guy posted um, a someone had climbed a fence outside one of their like i think it was in like south america or something one of their south american shows and filmed over the top of the fence mm. them sound checking like a riff that wasn't on an album someone posted that up okay and i was like 
what the fuck is that? And like clicked it and then like YouTube appears and I was like, what you can you can watch videos <laughs> on the internet. Like it was like it was properly blew my mind. And then I remember like um typing in just like I can watch like any music video on here and just typing in like millions of music videos and just watching them in a row. Um but that that kind of led me to I think the first kind of properly like I don't know all all alternative band would be at the drive-in it was right yeah, yeah, kind, yeah. kind of quite an easy step to go from like pop punk to at the drive-in you know yeah um I, so if you were like if you were saying like you're kind of in this sort of like sort of closed off in quotation marks community that was only kind of like getting sort of the metal and punk bands that were kind of fed into you when did you kind of like discover that there was this whole other sort of like underground sort of DIY world? I remember a, a, like a little bit before I found out the drive-in, I remember going into, there was this um, record store in Taunton called Martian Records. I think they had a few mm -hmm. over the West Country, but um, there was a, there was a dude that worked in well, all of the guys that worked in there looked like the most stereotypical, like mid to late two thousands, like uh, like metalcore fans, like you know, like you know, like early right, Bring Me okay. Horizon fans. It's just like flat peaks, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. massive tunnels, like. Um, but yeah, that that guy. I remember going up. What did I want? I wanted something. I wanted a record and I can't remember what it was. I think I wanted like, I think I asked him what Deftones record had back to school on it. <laughs> I really right, yeah. wanted it. And he was like, uh, it, it's not on an album. And I was like, what, how, how is that even possible? <laughs> and it, he was like, it's from a song on this. And he gave me White Pony, which obviously isn't, yeah. it isn't like underground, but it's, weird as fuck i still think that that record is weird as fuck like the, yeah, the vocals yeah. on it are insane but um yeah he gave me that and then he was like if you like that you'll also like this and he gave me uh the artist and the ambulance by thrice and oh, i cool. remember thinking like i've never even heard their name before like i was like yeah, oh yeah. i thought that there were there were only like 40 bands or whatever <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think there were any more bands. And I remember being like, this is crazy. I've never even heard of them before. Um, and I think that was the first one. Um, that was the first mm. time I realised that there were like bands that I didn't, that were kind of like under people's radar, even though Thrust were like massive then. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then in terms of you like playing guitar, you mentioned obviously like getting lessons and stuff, but you said that you kind of like wanted to play guitar even though you weren't fully into music at that point in time. So what kind of drew you to the guitar? I, th I don't know. I, th I think it, I think it was just like a kid just wanting to do something that's cool. You know what I mean? I was like, guitars are cool, <laughs> man. I'll play guitar. That would be, that would be sweet. <laughs> and and that, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was when I literally couldn't hear like any of the like different, differentiation between instruments and music as well so I didn't know mm. what was guitar and what wasn't 
<laughs> I don't know what. I don't. Yeah. I really don't know. I. It's not like I heard a song and was like, "Oh, that's so cool, that guitar part." Because I wouldn't have been able to tell at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally have no idea then, why. I just decided that it was it was a cool idea one day, and then kind of I kind of cool. got into music through playing guitar. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of like doing vocals as well, like you mentioned when you were doing that first pop punk band, you weren't singing there. So when did the the sort of like singing side come into it? And is that always been something that you'd been interested in or was it kind of a circumstantial thing that you kind of were forced into doing it and then just kind of evolved? Where did that I all come, come into it? Towards towards so I, I did like a like a music degree at uni which involved okay which involved like being in a band and performing like one of those bullshit degrees <laughs> um mm. but i think towards the end of towards the end of like college when i was thinking about uni i was starting to get like pretty like i don't know like opinionated about music you know what i mean it wasn't just like okay. it, like i i knew what i liked and i knew what i really didn't like and i yeah, i started yeah. getting a bit annoyed by like, I don't know, singers not singing in their own voice, if you know what I mean? Yeah, like, so I think I think at the time it was kind of like the very kind of like Americanized English sort of thing. So I, I get what you mean. Yeah, for sure. And vice versa as well with the kind of like indie thing at the time where they'd all sing. I don't even know what that accent is. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's like an American person trying to do an impression of a British accent. It's really weird. But yeah, 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 I used to be annoyed by that. And I remember at like at the at the time, I I don't think people talk about this enough either. Like Enter Shikari was so big at that point in time. And especially oh, yeah. especially if you didn't have any kind of reference to like underground bands or anything. Like and I remember thinking it was so cool that that dude like it was obviously just his voice that he was singing in. And I think, mm, yeah. I think yeah. I'd heard like the first Gallows record as well. And I thought it was cool that he was just like singing in his own voice. And I couldn't, I could never find anyone that wouldn't just like do an American accent. And I'd kind of, I'd, <laughs> yeah. I kind of decided to force myself to sing. Like, you know how you're like, I'll go to university and reinvent myself. <laughs> I like, <laughs> I kind of de um, decided that I was going to, start singing um on this uni course even though i'd never done it before it's probably stupid move in hindsight it wasn't very good for a very long time but um yeah that, that's when i started um mm. it's 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 like it it was kind of like playing guitar where i didn't really i didn't i didn't really think i was like good or anything um i just thought it yeah i just thought it was I couldn't find what I was looking for in like other singers, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's funny that you bring up Enishikari and that, especially that sort of era as well. I think I might have told this story on here before, but I can't remember. But so this was when I was maybe 17 and I was obviously underage drinking and all that. Malarkey. All right. But this was like bef before. The, their first album came out so it was when they were still doing like the like 
MySpace EPs and all that. Oh wow! Earlier they than played me. this. <laughs> yeah, they played this little like community center. So I'm I'm in Portsmouth, so they played like this little community center in Portsmouth, and like I'd I'd never heard them at the time. I just went because all my mates were going, sort of thing. Obviously, pissed out my nut, and because it was like really DIY, like everyone was obviously setting up their own gear and whatever. And Raoul had his like synths and electronics and whatever, but because it was just like this shitty PA, it took him like a lifetime to set up. And I was just like, I was fucked, and I was so like, fucking come on, mate, hurry up, and all this sort of thing. They played their set and it was awful just because like you're playing through the shitty PA. He's trying to do like all his electronic stuff. It just wasn't working. And I remember like vividly going up to him afterwards like, mate, give up your band's fucking <laughs> shit. And and now look at them. They're like the biggest band in that's, the UK. So fucking that's amazing. Wrong, it's amazing. I, I, but, yeah, I saw them. So, I, think, I, I think the craziest show is in the top two craziest shows I've ever been to is shamefully and then shikari show i saw them like it was way after their first record came out and they did this weird like seaside mm. tour um okay. we saw that we went to see them in western supermare which is like not a great place um but it was this <laughs> yeah. it was this place called the rock gardens i think in western supermare and it was like max like 100 cap max and there were like yeah. 300 people in this building. It was like insane. And the, the like, they had those, you know, like office ceiling tiles that are like made of foam and shit. They yeah, had them yeah, yeah. like in front of the stage, but they had to be like, they had to only be like seven or eight feet like above the floor. So like, and everyone yeah. was crowd surfing. So by the end of the set, like all of the ceiling tiles were kicked out I, i'm not i'm not exaggerating <laughs> like they were gone it was like the place was destroyed it was mad um yeah that's the they did they used to go so like their live shows used to go so hard like when they were sort of coming up it was like, fun man because again like after that like first show <laughs> i saw them a couple more times like off that like first album tour and she, yeah like in Southampton they went over so well and yeah you just like see people like stage diving going absolutely wild for them it was yeah. nuts yeah they were cool but anyway enough about it <laughs> <laughs> um so like in terms of you kind of then like, <coughs> actually like well no because you said like coming from like a, a sort of small town just like near Taunton sort of thing and I'm guessing, like, because my knowledge of, like, Taunton, there wasn't a whole lot kind of going on. So in terms of you kind of, like, discovering, like, live music and a local scene or anything like that, was there much of that kind of going on? Not, or, or did you not, not really Not really. Anything? I mean, the, my pop-punk band played, played quite a lot of shows, but they were pretty much all terrible. Like, <laughs> I, don't really, I don't really remember, like, a really good show that we ever played, to be honest, that was, like, all... Yeah, it was all awful. Um, yeah, like it's it's kind of mad. Like when when I ended up going to uni, like uh, we started this kind of like I guess we were like a math rock band. We sounded like a bit like sounded a bit like Anso watching from afar or something. Um, okay, but with me 
sounding a bit like Morrissey over the top. It was it was weird. <laughs> nice. We were we were alright. It's better than it sounds. Um, <clears throat> but I I remember playing like my first couple like proper shows with them, and it was in like a venue, like with a proper mm. PA, and it was. I remember being being like, "This is insane. Can't get better than this." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, yeah, there was no there there was no scene back in Taunton. I I remember yeah. like around the time like Bring Me the Horizon and stuff were first coming out. There was a couple like because they were they were they were kind of like trying to do kind of like death metal-y stuff at the start, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember there was a couple. Uh, like death metal bands that were into that kind of thing um, that we, I think we shared a, shared a practice space. We didn't share a practice room, but they were in the same practice space as us. What were they called? They had like the mm. stupidest name ever. Right. I think they were called Ignominious Incarceration, I think. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember Brilliant. they were in Kerrang once and we were like, this is the craziest shit ever. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, there were like no, there were no big bands. There was a couple like, so there was a couple like hip, like hippie ska bands around that did like mm. national tours, but nothing, nothing in like this kind of sphere. So, what, what, where were you kind of going to like actually like go to shows as like a punter and, and things like that? Uh, mainly Bristol, or sometimes we'd go to the Cavern in Exeter. Right. Okay. Um, so it, it was a case of like having to sort of travel to to seek things out. Yeah, pretty much. It didn't like I didn't go to that many shows when I was like when I didn't know someone that could drive. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. The, fir the first the first show I went to um, was I saw, uh, Trivium. Ah, oh, who was the? God, God forbid, opened. And then it was then mm. it was someone, and then it was Trivium on the Ascendancy yeah. tour, I think. Um, okay, cool. Which which was okay, but it was in like a real big like theater, and um, and like I was real young. I think it was like thirteen, maybe. And then, and mm. my, I remember like pulling up, and there were like, there were like met. They were like metal kids like throwing up and shit in the in the line because they were like underage drinking <laughs> or whatever. My parents were just like, oh, what what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this? <laughs> just freaking out the whole time. And they were just like ringing me and texting me for the whole show. So I didn't really enjoy it that much. But um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was that was my first show. But other uh, yeah, otherwise we just I think we went to the Lemon Grove a couple of times in Exeter as well, which I think is like the SU. Um, yeah, but yeah. never we never like went to London or anything. Um, yeah, it was either it was right. either Bristol or Exeter. So, because you said like obviously the doing the pop punk band, and then it was when you were in uni, obviously doing sort of the math rock band. So, what did you go to uni in in, Brist in Bristol? Uh, in Bath. Oh, okay, cool. Right, so it's obviously not too far away, sort of stone story. No, sort of thing. no. so like were you kind of like i guess again like i don't really know too much about bath i know a bit more obviously bristol's got a very vibrant scene but were you kind of like and obviously coming from taunton and knowing that there was stuff in bristol 
when you were in uni and stuff, were you were you kind of more actively like going to stuff in Bristol and and the surrounding areas? And was your band doing more stuff around? Yeah, the for sure. Well? We played in like uh, Bristol and Bath like tons. Um, mm. uh, there's there's a club like in the centre of Bath called Moles. Um, and okay. I used to I used to work there as well for quite a while. Um, so we played we played there a ton. Um, it's like this crazy little underground venue like it, it's proper terrible like PA is awful and you can fit about 30 <laughs> to 40 people in there it's like one of those under a pub yeah. rooms but it's so cool right yeah, um, yeah, yeah called the St James Wine Vault that was a cool place they used to just let you hire it for nothing like you could be like can we put on a show here that's cool and they just let you have it because it like you bring you bring 15 people and their pubs like full <laughs> um yeah 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 um yeah so we did a few shows there and then uh ooh, what's that there used to be a venue on park street in bristol and i've completely blanked on the name of it now it's called like the boiler room or something i can't remember and we, we played there a couple of times yeah in a couple of places but nothing uh, nothing of note we did like a really crap uk tour at one point as well but Oh, okay. It wasn't amazing. Um, it was just like all. <laughs> I, I, we but we played one. We played one good show actually with like um. There's, there's a band from Nottingham, um, called. They used to be called All Right the Captain. Okay. Um, and they're called A Tota So now. Um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know the name. Yeah, so when they were all, all right, the captain, they put us on in uh, Lincoln with uh, a band called Bear Makes Ninja, and we we were shocked because I I didn't think that there there were any bands that really sounded like that in the UK, um, mm. and it was cool to be on like a full lineup with with those kind of bands and people turned up who actually liked that kind of thing as well. Like normally we play, That's cool. it would be like, uh, it, there'd be like a five minute song of us noodling and like weird time signatures. And people would be like, have you thought about <laughs> just making like songs people can dance to and stuff? Like <laughs> that's, that's all people would say. Um, but yeah, that one was fun. But I, yeah, we, we, we played some all right shows, but it was nothing to write home about. It yeah. was like all pretty substandard <laughs> so was that kind of like your first experience of, of going out on tour oh yeah 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 for sure yeah all kind of, all so, kind of bundled, I always like of... a tiny Renault Clio like <laughs> nice oh because I always uh, like to kind of find out what people's like first sort of experiences of of any kind of tour is, is like so obviously like as you say there bundling into kind of a, a Renault Clio and sort of going around because I think the first tour I ever did I think we did it in two cars one was my brother's Citroen Saxo and the other was like a fucking Vauxhall Nova or something <laughs> like that but like what was your like I don't know did you kind of have any expectations of like what it would be like or were you just kind of like happy to kind of go out and sort of see different cities i was pretty happy to just be doing it i've like i've always been quite a, a negative bastard so like <laughs> i've i've never really expected anything to be like amazing you know what i mean 
I've always been like, mm. I'm sure there will be problems. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot <laughs> of this is going to suck. Um, <coughs> yeah, so I didn't, I didn't expect it to be amazing. We, we just like had fun playing shows to fucking people. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah. That's yeah, it was all right. It was right. <laughs> so before like we get on to obviously what's going on with, with Sugar Horse at the moment, Give me a quick sort of like whistle-stop tour. Like what was kind of the ne- next iterations of bands that you were doing to, that led us to, to Sugar Horse? Um, after uni, me and Chris, the bass player, moved to Bristol. Um, we lived together for ages. And we like, uh, it took me a while to like get a job over here. And we were just kind of like settling down for ages. And I didn't really know what to do i don't know it sounds weird like every time we kind we always talk about like starting a band again um but every time we felt like it every time we felt like we should it was always like uh, a rehashing of something else um Mm. and i just wanted to do something quite a bit different to the stuff that i heard um kind of we we kind of had to come up with like a game plan first if you know what i mean like kind of had to yeah, think yeah. about what we were going to sound like for quite a while before um before it actually happened like we've got quite a lot of we've got quite a lot of like rules as a band it sounds kind of stupid but like when we're <laughs> when we're writing and stuff like um there's quite a lot of things that we're, like we we're not allowed to do <laughs> we don't allow each other okay um because such as what? Uh, so um, everything's got to be slow. So everything's got to be like half time. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's there's got to be a lot of vocals on stuff. Um, like we wanted things to be like songs rather than like big instrumental things. Um, I don't know. We, mm. we were kind of hearing a lot of instrumental music at the time, and it was like. Some of the bands were really good, but it was also kind of like rehashing the same thing over and over again, if that makes sense. No offence right, okay. to those people, because I know them. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like stupid stuff like, uh, this is a stupid guitar term, but like uh, tremolo picking, when you pick like one, yeah, one yeah. note, like real, really, really fast. That's like a really big like post-rock trope and we didn't want to be like a post-rock band. There's, yeah. there's a big danger of playing like real slow kind of ambient music that you'll just sound like a post-rock band. Um, and we didn't want to do that. So that's one of the band things. There's there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, got, that kind of answers my, my next question is that when obviously Sugar Horse kind of started, like you mentioned earlier with like the the stuff that you've been doing lately and obviously those standalone single singles were an opportunity to kind of experiment and and obviously since the inception of the band the same the sound has evolved in some aspects but it kind of sounds like you were sort of very direct in what you wanted the sound to be like from the outset so was that the case yeah for sure um there are a couple like touching points that we that we really wanted we really wanted things to be really bottom end heavy like really bassy Mm. really subby like kind of almost like dub levels of sub um just because i hadn't really heard 
I hadn't really heard. Of, there's a couple like early Mogwai singles. I'm going to reference Mogwai a couple of times. <laughs> so we, we rip them <laughs> off a lot. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of like early Mogwai singles where the bass is like, I'm, I, I guess most people would say they're bad mixes, but I kind of like it. It's like this weird like sub frequency mm. resonance that goes on for like whole songs sometimes. Um, and I thought that was really cool. It kind of like rattles speakers and stuff as well. Um, yeah. that, that was that was kind of like a touching point. And then there's another like Mogwai trick where uh, it goes with one of the rules of like not trying to sound like a post-rock band where um, like everyone was doing these big like build up crescendos like in every mm. song. Um, and we we wanted to do the kind of, there's like this Mogwai trick where they play really quietly don't build up at all and then suddenly go into something that's super loud um yeah yeah we, we rip that off like all the time <laughs> um <laughs> so that that was something we wanted to do um it started off being really not as heavy as it's turned out to be now um yeah i basically what happened there is like we were we wrote like drudge um, the first EP and like all of the three songs at the start were finished and they're all kind of like more songs and then we wrote like a big heavy instrumental thing for the end and I was like singing's not gonna work over this but I didn't know how to like scream or anything but I kind of mm. had to learn how to scream to do that song properly and then yeah then once I kind of learned how to do that it kind of I was like, well, I can do this in more stuff. So it kind of kind of naturally just became heavier after that, I guess. Um, mm. And and because obviously like the Bristol scene is very kind of like diverse and eclectic, like you've got like obviously your pockets of like punk and metal and whatever. But I think like with, and I don't mean this to, to be detrimental, but like with Sugar Horse, it's kind of like hard to pinpoint where it fits in but obviously you have found a home within bristols but obviously when you first started was it quite difficult to like find shows to jump on or had you made enough contacts by that point to kind of find a home um i don't take that as an insult by the way that's very much a compliment <laughs> I, like, I like being told we don't sound like anyone else um but uh, yeah it was uh at the start no not so much i I've worked in like various music venues around the city for quite a while. Yeah. So just by merit of nepotism, um, we got on our first couple shows, I think. I think the the first ever show we played was uh Dave Larkin from the bass player from Black, from okay. Black Peaks. Um yeah, before yeah. he was in Black Peaks, um he put on a show, uh I think it was a release show for his old band's armchair committee and duck mm. us on at the start, um, which was nice of him. And it all kind of went from there. I, like, we've never really had that much trouble getting shows. It's been all right. Um, we, we played some like yeah. weird ones. I'll give you that. We played like, there's been a couple kind of like metal shows where we're definitely, people are, people are watching <laughs> like, yeah. why, why, is this, why is this bloke singing over very quiet like guitar music? And then a kind of riff comes in and they're like, okay, I get it now. And then we'll drop back in. And it, that's been weird. And we put, we played with uh, 
do, do you know Flipper? The like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they did. They did like a kind of reunion tour thing with David Yao on vocals and Mike Watt playing bass. Oh uh, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and we got asked. I think the the support for that show dropped out last minute, so we got asked last minute to do it. And uh, when I received the email, I was like, "Why are you asking us?" <laughs> um, but, but then I was like, "Oh, Mike Watt and David Yao. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be there." Um, so we, yeah, we did that, and the audience were definitely like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> for the whole time. Yeah, but yeah. I yeah. got to meet Mike Watt and David Yao, so it's kind of worth it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But like in that aspect of, as you say, like the kind of audience sort of like standing there going what the fuck is this i think like now where we are in 2021 i think a lot of people are, tr- are like being more diverse in their kind of what they're listening to and kind of their intake of music but i'm like when like people first first discover music and and so on and so forth they kind of get stuck in a lane in some aspects so i don't know did you did you find it hard to kind of break through people or were people like scratching their head, but were kind of into it sort of thing? Um, I think, I think at the very start, like we, we put this demo out for a little bit at the very start and that just wasn't very good. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't think people were very into it for a while just because we weren't very good. Um, Then Mm. the, the first EP drudge when that came out, I noticed that we were kind of picking up more people as we went along. Um, yeah. Like, as much as we try and kind of sound somewhat singular, I've, I've never really... There's been the odd time where, like, like drunk punters or whatever will just give you shit at the end of a show for, like, <laughs> why'd you call me that quiet yeah. bit for five minutes? Or, whatever, like, stupid shit, but... Otherwise, not really. I haven't really had any shit from people before. Um, yeah. And just because, like, before we kind of move on to where sort of, like, the, the growth of the band, like, one thing I noticed, obviously, on your Twitter, like, you've got a description, like, decidedly average <laughs> band. So was that was that something that somebody said to you, or is that kind of, like, a bit of tongue-in-cheek? Uh, yeah, that's a bit tongue-in-cheek. It's just funny stuff I, I don't know I like I like we we like being like uh self-deprecating quite a lot uh, <laughs> it, it, it comes from like it it comes from like at the start when like no one would come to your shows just like post, you yeah, have yeah. to like post something on Facebook or Twitter or whatever and be like we've got a show on like what whatever day um yeah, yeah don't yeah. come it'll be shit and no one else will be there <laughs> it's just like a funny thing and then that kind of went on until people actually started coming and it's i don't know that that line's still pretty funny i mean yeah. we, we have had <laughs> we have awful. had some very funny reviews thinking thinking of your last question actually we've got a review one um where they would they started off like it was a live review and they started off by saying sugar horse are not math rock and i was like okay <laughs> that's fine <And> then <laughs> the whole rest of the review was just them them complaining that we weren't a math rock band <laughs> oh, it's, <laughs> it's the best review ever i think she ends with going um 
being incredibly loud doesn't make you any good. (laughs) 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 Amazing. I, th- I, I just like the idea of her like expecting you to be a math rock no, band. Like, like, this is a math rock band. We, we hadn't told anyone we were a math rock band. <laughs> this isn't a samba band. How dare they not be a samba band? <laughs> um, and just because I'd, I'd picked it up from, I think, a friend of yours and also a friend of mine of his podcast, um, Adam Vallely, when you were on Audience Please, where the name Sugar Horse came from and just purely because I'm interested now are you have you got any British crime dramas you're watching at oh the moment? yeah there's um there's there's the new series of Unforgotten at the moment that's on it's on yeah is, is that the one with um Jimmy Nesbitt uh no that's blood that's Bloodlands I haven't watched that yet <laughs> oh okay but like as much as I hate the institution that is ITV, they do they do put on the the best slash worst schlocky crime dramas. Like, yeah, unashamedly, yeah. My, my, like so. That's a, like no matter what it is, my mum will watch it. So that's the only reason I know about <laughs> them because like my mum's like, oh, there's a new crime drama on. And I'm like. I don't care, but cool. I love it. Sort of I love it. Like uh, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm not like overagging this at all when I say that. Wire in the blood, starring, starring, um, starring, Robson from Robson and Robson and Jerome, is my favorite yeah, yeah. TV show of all time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But anyway, we'll get back to. <laughs> We'll get back to the music. Um, <laughs> obviously, with like, with what Sugar Horse is doing, as you say, like, you've kind of like built a formula in terms of like, as you say, you've got these like band rules and and things like that. But the one thing I found really interesting is that you've almost kind of like thematically and lyrically have kind of got sort of these concepts that kind of run into the songs, kind of thing. So. I don't know what like when you kind of like got more comfortable with like what the style of the band was going to be like had you always kind of had that idea of like you wanted to tell stories through the songs or is that something that kind of came along as the band grew um I think in the band before like the bad bath rock bands I was I had like real literal real literal lyrics when I listen back to them now that is really embarrassing to listen to (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) and I think I I was thinking for ages about like how I could make the lyrics not embarrassing to listen to for me (laughs) (laughs) and I mean there's there's a ton of like metaphor in there and I I really like um really I'm really into like kind of biblical like biblical sounding language as well. Um, mm. I just think it fits with the kind of like over the top grandness of the sound of the band. You know what I mean? Without without yeah. making it sound like too over the top. <laughs> I'm sure people yeah, disagree yeah, yeah, with yeah. me, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it kind of it. I feel like it kind of fits with 
with both the kind of softer side of it and the heavier side, if you know what I mean? Mm. I think there's a, a bit of a danger of making those two sides a bit too different from each other. So they, so they sound like different bands. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It's like kind of finding a thread that links it all in. As, as far as like the themes to particular songs or anything goes, um, I kind of, there's probably uh, probably a lot of lot of people um, do it like this as well, but I normally kind of I normally kind of babble a melody over something, um, and then and right. then the odd the odd word will kind of like pop in to your head, or you'll accidentally babble the odd words, and it will fit nice, like rhythmically. It will have like a pleasing mm. rhythm to it that will fit nicely in, um, and then if there's enough of them, I can kind of get a general a general theme and then I can kind of expand on the theme a little bit. Um, so it's yeah. it normally kind of falls into place rather than me kind of like forcing something on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And just like in terms of, like you're saying, kind of like being a bit more kind of like metaphorical and, and sort of like using sort of like biblical language and things like that but like one thing that i've doing like my research is obviously like i guess as well coming like from bristol as well like there's elements of like politics and things within it and stuff it's not like there for like in the forefront and stuff but it's still there was that something that like i don't know because it's not something that you maybe necessarily associate with kind of the style of music that you play because I think a lot more people kind of associate it with like just straight up punk or like metal or something like that so I don't know did you want to challenge yourself in that aspect to kind of weave that into it in some shape or form um I don't like to go I think I think with like more political bands in kind of like hardcore or punk um it, it's a lot more it's a lot more direct and they're normally yeah. They normally pick like a kind of certain subject and kind of attack it directly. Um, whereas the, I guess there's it, the, yeah, like lyrics to some of the songs that definitely like have a political bent to them, but it's more of a kind of a, I think the, the angry bits in our songs are more kind of like general, <laughs> yeah. general like garden hose against a wall. You know what I mean? It's not like, like, yeah 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 it's not like particular things i'm going after it's just me shouting and <laughs> angrily <laughs> about how annoying things are um i guess the great shame the standalone we released like a few months back is probably the most specific thing um mm. lyrically for sure and that just like that just kind of it it felt right with what was that like that was written around the time of the uh, the BLM protests were happening, and and right. it was um, and m me and Jake had watched Jake uh, Baritone and Keys in the band had watched um, had watched this. If if you watch the music video, the music video is just this documentary cut up. Um, it's called like Heart of an Angel, um, which is like this late eighties mm. BBC documentary about a. a like London Underground Station that's on the brink of closing down. Um, and that kind of just, it kind of just linked, linked in with what 
the what the world was feeling like through the lens of a television at that point in time. Um, yeah, and it just fit it fit nicely, and it didn't it didn't feel like I was kind of I don't want to say picking a side, but it didn't feel like I was being too overly specific. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just in terms of like, I don't want to kind of judge like stick on it too much but I think just some of them are quite funny like song titles <laughs> where, where do you kind of like come up with it because like the one that stands out to me is obviously Rich Branson in the sky with diamonds that's the one that's takes my but even like the latest single like sound dancing in a burning building like <laughs> they bring up they're quite sort of like visual kind of like song names so where, where do you kind of come up with the ideas for those that's all kind of nicked from like uh like Mogwai and like uh like like uh like late 90s early 2000s math rock where they just called stuff like joke like in jokes in the band um yeah it's yeah. just like I've, it's, there's real danger when you're in like a when you're in a band like this where everything becomes very fucking po-faced and like i am very serious <laughs> i'm a very serious intellectual <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean and it just it kind of I feel like that kind of like cuts that dead a little bit. It, I, mm. I would I wouldn't like to have to. I couldn't I couldn't have fun in interviews like this <laughs> if um <laughs> if, if our songs were called like the great blackness. Um, but <laughs> yeah. um yeah, that's like they the song titles are a big free for all between all of us. We've got like this. Kind of secret thread in a Facebook group where we just post. Yeah, there's like seven hundred of them in there now. Um, and then so is it just kind of now just like pick and choose? Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> and like one of us will be like going through it one day and be like, oh, that one was really funny from like six months ago. We'll be like, can we call the next song that? <laughs> yeah. And it's like it, it kind of works sometimes as well because like um, normally the lyrics won't have been written by the time we'll have kind of demoed a song and and named it so we'll name it something right. and then I can I don't like to directly link the title to the lyrics but you can kind of you can there's there's already kind of some subject matter there that you can play with so it's mm. not just like yeah, paralysis cool. and you can pick it but, and you have like anything to pick from and you can't pick anything there's like there's already some meat there that you can kind of play with yeah 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 that's cool and before we kind of move on, just one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is because obviously you work at Mother's Ruin and obviously at the moment, unfortunately, it's non-existent and stuff like that. But like, I think anyone that's ever been to Bristol will have a fondness for, for that place. So first and foremost, like, what's the kind of situation you're in at the moment? Like, have you kind of discussed like how things are looking when lockdown eases like where's it at the um moment? at the moment well at the moment i'm on furlough um yeah uh, we haven't uh we haven't discussed when we'll be back open just yet um mm. but uh the way it works so the the little break we had between lockdowns um yeah uh we kind of just opened as a bar 
So obviously couldn't right. do like live shows and stuff. Um, so I imagine at least for a while afterwards, um, we'll be just open as a bar again until we can kind mm. of see the lay of the land. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. I don't, I, <clears throat> especially for a venue like that, where it is kind of like most, most of the shows at our places, they're, they're mostly free to get into. So it's kind of like a big free yeah. for all most of the time. And if there's going to be, if there's going to be like enforced, um, like checks um, on people coming into shows and stuff, it, uh, it, it might cost more than it's worth. We, we just, we just mm. don't know how that's going to play out at the moment. I think we'd probably rather yeah. wait until the kind of dust settled a little bit until we decide what we're going to do afterwards. Um, that's cool. And I've got to ask because I, every time I'm in that place, it's I've I'm just intrigued. So the piano on the top floor, yes. surely someone's like knocked that or smashed it off, or is it like how does it fit into that? Wall? It is really on there. There's like there's there's a lot of screws and brackets holding that onto like <laughs> holding that onto like a supporting concrete wall. Um, but, but it used to be a lot more intact than it is now. And it's like really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, about... Probably about a year and a half ago, someone managed to rip... Like, if you know, like, an upright piano, someone managed to rip the front above the keyboard off so all of the strings and the hammers were exposed. Oh, shit. And, like, we didn't notice until the end of the night. And then I was like, oh, fuck. And like, I had to throw that bit of wood away or whatever and then the next day i was in and it was like five in the afternoon and like like a big group of lads or whatever came in and went upstairs and i just could hear like them smashing on these piano strings just like a tonal piano smashing and they just like would not stop (laughs) so we were like right we're gonna have to cut the strings (laughs) that's gotta happen (laughs) um but yeah, that that thing is completely destroyed. I'd, it's mo- yeah. like most of it is still on the wall, but <laughs> I wouldn't even call it the other. I just find it so funny. It's like every show I've been to there, because like usually drummers set up in front of it. Like just as soon as like they're ready, if the rest of their band is still setting up, they'll just turn around and be like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like no matter who it is, every drummer I've seen does it. It's hilarious. Oh yes, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's a. But yeah, like hopefully, once kind of lockdowns eased and stuff, even if it is say even if it is just as a bar, like that place, I think needs support of everyone that it can get because like it's as I say, it's a state like I don't live in Bristol, but like my best friend does. I think like every time we go out, we always go to the Mother's Ruin. So nice, it's like, thank you a staple place it's a staple place in that city so yeah definitely needs any shape of support that you can I mean it's get. not it's not an um, ideal situation at the moment but we're all right I would I wouldn't be I yeah. wouldn't be too worried <laughs> <laughs> that's cool um so just back in on to, to Sugar Horse obviously like last year um drugs came out and got like massive acclaim like it got loads of like people's sort of 
eyes on your band and like i think like off the bat like that tied with you guys doing our tangent the year before as well like a lot more people were sort of starting to get eyes on you so was it kind of strange like especially like where we are now that like you were all of a sudden getting this like new wave of like listeners and fans despite not being able to play shows that that is definitely weird it kind of feels it feels a, a little bit unreal at the moment <laughs> especially especially like because we um we were planning to put the record out i think it was like on the first day of the black peak store or something right okay um so instead of like going to play what was the first show the first show was like a pretty big one i think it might have been the fl- the first show was Glasgow. So in, instead of going to play Glasgow for the first time ever, I've never played or been to Glasgow um, to like a thousand people or whatever. I was like in a massive queue to get into a supermarket to do like a weekly shop and like, <laughs> and the record drops. And then I think uh, the Riot Act podcast went up and they talked they talked yeah. about it um and then it was so weird because you could kind of tell like that that podcast episode was like i don't know like two hours long or something and almost like yeah, almost yeah, exactly yeah. two hours after the episode dropped i was getting like i got so many notifications on my phone that it just like died like <laughs> in this queue, <laughs> it was just like constantly going it was really weird. I really wasn't prepared for it at all. Like, I'd, I was excited to put it out and I thought, like, a few people would dig it and I thought that it was cool that, like, loads of... loads more people than than would have um, heard it, got to hear it. But, um, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't mm. expecting... I, w- I wasn't expecting the kind of response it got. I mean, we're, we're yeah. not exactly, like... We're not exactly, like, Faust or something um but it's yeah. pretty odd it's pretty odd music um <laughs> so i wasn't i wasn't expecting yeah as many people well that's what that's what i was gonna say because like on the flip side because obviously as you say the original idea was to do it when you were out with black peaks and like yeah okay being out on tour with black peaks you're gonna get a handful of people who are fans of theirs that maybe have never heard of you, checking you out and maybe turned on to you. But again, kind of going back to what how we started this conversation, like the positives of being in this weird lockdown state, it's because your music is a bit challenging and like it's a bit lengthier and so on and so forth. You need to kind of sit down with it and kind of take it in. And because like at the moment nobody's going to live shows, so they they're listening to music in their homes. Do you think that worked to your advantage that people were having the time to sit down with it and that's why people were maybe engaging with it a bit more? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's hard to tell. Like, like I don't know. It I I guess I guess it feels weird because there's no kind of um there's no like instant gratification or whatever. Like if we'd been on if we'd been yeah. on tour, you can I guess with rooms that big, you can't really tell that much. But like, if like, <laughs> yeah. but if if it's like a two hundred cap room, you can tell 
how many people in the audience have liked it, you know what I mean? From just looking at yeah. it on stage. Um, and what's, I guess what's weird is like, we get, we, we get the odd notification for like someone's bought the record or like tweets and tags us that they really like it or something. But I'm sure there's lots of people who hear it, like it or strongly dislike it and don't tweet or, or buy anything. Um, yeah yeah so it's real hard to it's just it's real hard to gauge and like understand it's it's quite it's quite a weird time for um a band to be getting i mean we're not uh, we're not we're not really popular by any stretch of the imagination but it's it's a weird time for a band to be getting a lot more popular than they thought they were going to get yeah and just in terms of like you mentioned at the beginning that obviously stuff is kind of aiming now towards a full length, but obviously you've done a couple of EPs and stuff. And I think a lot of bands, maybe they do like a demo and a single EP and then go on to the, the full length. But the way that you've approached it is kind of like, I don't know, you've built steadily rather than like gone full hog. So again, was that conscious effort that you wanted to like not necessarily like the slow build because as you say like you never kind of expected to get as many eyes on you that you maybe have but like I don't know to kind of figure out what Sugar Horse is before you started the full lane I I think like um yeah I I I think like it's a lot of bands take a while to find their to find what they properly sound like. I mean, we were pretty well, yeah. we were pretty well planned out about what we wanted to sound like when the band kind of started anyway. Um, but yeah, I'd rather, like the, I, I view those two EPs as kind of us on the way to finding a sound rather than the actual like, sound yeah. of the band. So I think, I think it's cool that we're going to be more, a lot more fully formed than we would be otherwise when we kick into mm. this first record. Um, and I, I think it shows. Um, it's, it's yeah. really, I mean, the, the songs are still far too long, but you can't really do, can't really do anything <laughs> about that when you're playing at like 50 BPM. But um, um, they're, they're, they're really, con- like the sound of them is really condensed and it's really... Mm. It, it feels it feels like we're not fucking around as much you know what I mean like all, yeah. of, all of the all of the parts are like meant to be there and there's not there's not sections where you're like oh I wonder when this bit's going to end it's kind of like just hits you um for the whole record so I'm pretty excited about putting it out <laughs> have you got like any provisional sort of like dates or anything or is it still too nah, early days pretty early days I, I <laughs> I, only, I only really finished mixing it like well I finished mixing it about five times now and then <laughs> and then I'll listen to it for like a week and a half and be like oh it's really shit I should do it again so the, the, the latest the latest final mix was like two weeks ago so okay yeah it's... Um, and obviously like a uh... At the moment, I know when lockdown started, obviously you were meant to be out with Black Peaks, but where we've got this kind of provisional date now that things 
are going to be going back to some semblance of normality. You guys have, have equally started now announcing a couple of shows, and I know that you've been announced for portals. So I don't know. Are you quietly getting excited, or are you still very tentative of where things are at the moment? Um, I think we're kind of half and half. Like I've I've noticed that there's. I mean, I'm not saying that this is across the board or anything, but I noticed that there's kind of like a bit of negativity um, coming from people that like think that it's like unsafe to put on shows at that point or whatever. Yeah. Which is which is fine. I think that's fair enough. But at the same time, um, if if this deadline of June 21st goes ahead, then after that point, uh, venues, bands, uh, festivals, anyone in the music industry won't be able to get any help from the government anymore. So they mm. will be forced into putting on shows or playing shows yeah. or putting on festivals. Yeah. So, um, like, if if you don't feel safe playing shows or whatever, that's fine. Opt out. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but also... I feel I feel like because I work in the industry as well um, that mm. we need to support those businesses that have to that have to start up after June twenty first. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I think that's I think that's that's part of why we've kind of booked we've booked we've got shows ready to go. Um, yeah. After that point, if it happens, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that I'm a hundred percent confident that it will happen. Um, I'm aware that it's somewhat wishful thinking. It, I, I mean, the pandemic hasn't really been handled that well by the UK government so far. <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 under no illusions that it's unlikely, but I you you have to try, don't you? <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> this is the thing. Like as you say it's all kind of like personal preference at the moment, but you made a very good point there, like, which I hadn't even considered is the fact that after that, if, if we do get to that June 21st, like date and it is all systems go, then it is essentially the government slamming the door shut, which I hadn't even really thought about. And because like, so before everything like closed down, like my job was, tour management and tour driving and like i've been offered a couple of tours and i'm like i'm very much of of the latter group i'm like i'm not too sure about this yet like i want to wait and see the first couple of shows that people go to i won't personally go to them but i want to see how they're set like hear how they're set up and if everything's okay and then i'll dip my toe in kind of thing but as you say, like some people are going to be actively forced into it because the government's not going to support them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like i I don't have any I don't have any problem whatsoever with your um with your saying that you won't feel safe like tour managing or going to shows straight away. I think that's fine. That's yeah, perfectly acceptable way to way to think. It's just I, I, I've seen like I'm not going to pick out specific. <laughs> specifically there's just been a couple like just i i guess their hearts like in the right place um definitely but it's it's just been 
it's aim it's aiming it's aiming the bullets at people that don't really need any more bullets aimed at them <laughs> you, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? um but I, it sucks to hear about <laughs> becoming a tour manager just before the pandemic That's yeah sorry to hear that but no it's it's just it is what it is isn't it like i've come to accept it but um before i kind of let you go ash obviously like you say new records sort of in the pipeline shows potentially but like is there anything else that people should kind of keep an eye out for for you guys in the near future um we've got we've got the latest single out um slam dancing in a burning building um that's the music videos on youtube um and there's i think the pre-order's over now but um once the records get here which is like a massive question mark because of Brexit, etc. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's been a nightmare. But um, once they get here, um, uh, they'll be uh, we're so we're releasing our first EP um, on vinyl. Yeah, and that's coming with a comp of all of the standalone singles we've done so far, like a double yeah. vinyl package, um, which should be cool. Um, so they that will be on Bandcamp at some point in the next couple of months <laughs> when they arrive. Um, but yeah, as with everything at the moment, it's just like a bunch of question marks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, how I usually end this, but it might be difficult for you because you've put out new music since. So, But we'll try with it anyway and see what your answer is. But I always like to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So... What's your favourite Sugar Horse song that you like to play live and why? Oh, it's it's okay because we've we've played like a live session and practised. So I kind of get, yeah. I kind of get the feeling uh, which one's great. Um, the Great Chain feels really good in practice at the moment. That feels like yeah. kind of uh, really destroy live. Um, the older stuff, uh, Drugs, the title track, track is really fun just because it's uh it's really easy to play so you don't have to think about it that's that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the, most of the songs that i like the most are just like the the ones that i don't have to think about playing at all yeah <laughs> perfect brilliant ash thank you very much for your time mate and hopefully as i say fingers crossed we get live shows soon so we'll be able to enjoy the new stuff live but looking forward to to the full length when it eventually comes out sure man thank you very much for having me no worries take care my friends so there we have it folks again a massive thank you to ash for taking some time to have a little chat with me um as always if you want to keep up to date with what sugar horse are doing you can do so on all various social media platforms which will be uh, put in the description notes of this episode. Um, I know I mentioned it at the top, but just want to say again, if you so wish to support this show in any capacity, the ways I would at the moment, I would say go to the Bandcamp, uh, justaninsightpod.bandcamp.com, support the charity sampler, like that's the main thing I want to push. But as I said, we do have a Patreon now, episodes coming out every first Sunday of the month, uh, give it a spin show, Name says it on the tin. Also, follow us on social media, um, just underscore and underscore insight on Instagram, Twitter, uh, and just in podcast on Facebook. 
Um, that is it for another week. We're nearing episode 200. I've got a couple of plans for who I want to get on. I haven't reached out to them yet because still got a little way to go. But yeah, I'm, I'm making plans for it and maybe do something around it. I don't know. We'll wait and see. But anyway, um, whether this is the first time you're listening to the show or the 187th time, really, really appreciate it. I know I say this every time and you hear this probably on every podcast you listen to us to us to that you listen to sorry um but if you could subscribe rate review it really really does help um but yeah that's it for another week thank you for stopping by the justin insight podcast and i will see you soon